Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, Yeshua, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We'll end our reading there. I have a quiz for you. Let's see how many of you can answer this question that is so popularly known. In our table four, table four, apparently, they're all, I ask another quiz question and they're all ready to rock and roll with that. Please forgive me too, I've been getting over a cold and a cough uh, for the last couple of weeks and so <clears throat> my apologies if that interrupts um, the speaking teaching. Blank is the reason for the season. Bl- oh, very nice. It does, agree? Table four? Okay. Jesus is the reason for the season. I was in Monterey this last week, and there was actually a restaurant there with a sign that said, Jesus is the reason for the season. And because I was with some colleagues from the school, and we are Christians, we thought, hey, let's go to this place and support the other believers. And it's kind of like a little bit of a a symbol or a sign or some sort of secret um, handshakes, like Jesus is the reason for the season. So we went and gave them our support. And this is, if you just searched it, and most oftentimes on bumper stickers or signs or even in churches, this is the most prominent religious uh, thing that happens in this season. That we want to remember that the reason, the purpose, the whole reason why we have all of this celebration, why there's colors and trees and decorations and all those kinds of things, is because of the person, Jesus And we should never forget that. Now, I understand that because we don't want to do this. And hopefully some of these, I don't know what images are going to come up. We don't want to relegate Christmas or holidays to just the things that we spend or the things that we get. And the reason why we say Jesus is the reason for the season is because so often in our culture, and the thing that we are often fighting against (laughs) in in our Christian and faith circles, is this kind of thing, the commodification or the overt financial and money spending and shopping and that whole kind of thing with Christmas. So we're fighting against that and constantly reminding people Jesus is the reason for the season. We're fighting against things like this because for many people, this is the reason for the season. I get vacation time and I'm heading to the snow and it's going to be a great pack and we're going to do all of this kind of stuff. And for some people, the reason for the season is family time where you get together. I, <clears throat> I just searched awkward Christmas family photos 
and it was really, really hard for me to narrow down which ones to share with you. But this one really struck me funny because Santa's got a black eye, which is, again, kind of indicative of the season. It's like, here's this wonderful, jolly person whose name Chris Kringle, who happens to be, have some Christian history, is very joyous and loving and giving during this particular time, and he's all beat up. Why? Because that's the only thing that he's good for, and sometimes we maybe treat God that way. And for other people in this room, Christmas means... Tuesday, that's right. It means Disneyland on Tuesday. That's what that means. So, we say Jesus is the reason for the season when it comes to this date because we don't want to forget the real purpose. However, I would like for us to consider another possible fill-in-that-blank. Yes, it is true that Jesus is the reason for the season. However, we just read a passage that is foundational to this Christmas season, that's foundational to the birth story, that's foundational to the whole reason why we gather and we have celebrations like this. And we often perhaps uh, read this in celebration of Jesus, to glorify his name, to celebrate him, to gather together. And it is a joy, it is a time of joy, it's a time of celebration, it's a time of happiness, it's a time of all those things. But if we're really honest with ourselves, Any holiday season that comes along, and especially ones like this, during dark times, during winter times, is filled with a paradox of things that are joyous and things that are painful. A season like this is filled with things that are to be celebrated, but then there are things that are to be mourned. And during times like this... um, in the franticness of wanting to celebrate and gather together with family and friends, <clears throat> we often forget or are often too, too much reminded that this season is filled with both joy and pain and sorrow. And if we're honest with ourselves, this particular time of the year can be great for one person, one set of family, and it's like, oh, I get to see my family. And then the other person that you're sitting next to or a friend of yours is like, oh, I have to see my family. (laughs) And so Christmas is filled with this kind of feeling. But I'd like to suggest to you that all of that actually makes sense. For churches, for example, who are fighting and rallying really, really hard that we must remember that Jesus is the reason for the season because I don't know, secularists or heathens or atheists are trying to take away Christmas or because they're fighting or because there's religious oppression or because whatever those kinds of things happen in our culture, whether it's that, whether it's family, and you are reminded once again because you have to come together, you're reminded once again of the pain and the, and the challenge and the suffering and the difficulty that, and the dysfunction that happens in your family, or whether it's things like Sandy Hook Elementary where this Christmas is not going to be the same joy and the same love that perhaps past Christmases have been or the Christmases that they had hoped. I'd like to suggest to you that all of that actually makes a lot of sense. Let's read this passage again. And one particular verse. After... Joseph had considered this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, the name Jesus in the original Hebrew, Yeshua, means God's salvation. It's a derivative of the name Joshua, and it kind of comes in and changes over time into the name Jesus or Yeshua. Jesus or Jesus is the Greek. And it has this meaning of God's salvation, that there is something, listen, there's something not right in the world. And God is coming to save us from that. So the name Jesus, in his very name and in his very coming, implies that there's something not right in this world. Because he will save his people from their sins. And so if we think about it, the reason why Christmas exists is not first and foremost because of Jesus, although I get it and I understand we we should celebrate his coming. The reason why Christmas exists and the reason why we have this celebration and the reason why we're doing all these things is because Jesus came to save people from their sins. So, in other words, if there happens to be a dysfunction in your home, a sin that happens to be there, that may be the reason for the season. If you're in the store and there's somebody cutting in line in front of you and you are just like, you're late and you're stressed and this person's being so rude, you can say to this person now, oh, thank you. You're the reason for the season. (laughs) And so instead of putting Jesus as the reason for the season on your bumper sticker, maybe you want to put, oh, you are the reason for the season. And next time somebody's rude to you, next time somebody cuts you off, next time somebody behaves in a way less than the way that God designed it, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You are the reason for the season. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? (laughs) But then it gets worse because if you look in the mirror, (laughs) oh, wait a second. I, I get stressed out during this time. I get impatient. Um, I will sit in church and listen to sermons, and instead of allowing God to change me, I use that as a weapon against everyone else around me. Did you hear that sermon? Did you pay attention? Um, I'm the one who doesn't act in love. I'm the one who doesn't live up to the full standards. Oh, so maybe I'm the reason for the season, too. So I'd like to suggest to you, as you consider this season and as you consider this holiday, yes, it is a time of joy. Yes, it is a time of celebration. Yes, it is a time of love. Yes, it is a time of family. Yes, it's a time of food and eating and presents and trees and decorations and disco balls and lights and all sorts of wonderful things. Yes, it is a time for those things. What I would love for you to take away from tonight and from this message is... Yes, it's a time for those things, but when sin happens during this season, because it will happen, it'll happen on the road, behind the steering wheel is when most sin happens, actually. It'll happen in your family. It'll happen at the grocery store. It'll happen at the department store. It'll happen in your own heart and your own soul as you realize the stress and the anxiety. When those things emerge also with this season, just remind yourself, oh, That's also the reason for the season too. And the reason why we celebrate is because Jesus came to save us from those things. 
And for those of us at Spark and for those of us who are followers of Jesus, one of the best ways we can actually celebrate this season is not to shove your finger into somebody else's face and to remind them, celebrate Jesus because Jesus is the reason for the season. Maybe one of the best ways to celebrate the season is to actually act like Jesus (laughs) and bring salvation to wherever that sin or that pain or that dysfunction happens to be, whether that's in your home or at the department store, or yes, even behind your steering wheel. Which may be the hardest. (laughs) So, don't go home and tell your family, oh, you're the reason for the season. That's not the lesson of the sermon. (laughs) They're not going to understand that anyway. Go home and say, oh, if this person happens to be, in your mind, the reason for the season then just as Jesus came into this world to save his people from their sins, and I, as a follower of Jesus, am trying, working desperately to redeem this world, maybe in this family situation, there's something that I can do to bring the salvation of Jesus to this person, to our family, to this home. Maybe in that department store where the the person behind the cash register is stressed and anxious and is getting all sorts of impatient customers their way. And then, because of their frazzledness, they're not treating you with the same service. Maybe maybe that's a moment for you to not say, can you get it together? Maybe that's a moment for you to say, oh, just like Jesus came into this world to save people from their sins, maybe this is my moment to save them from whatever sins or dysfunctions or hurt or pain that they're feeling and experiencing. And this makes a lot of sense. Because when Jesus did come into this world, he didn't come in to a lofty, decked out palace. Uh, He didn't come to El Camino or Stanford Hospital with all the great amenities. He came into a stable filled with animals. And he came into a time where there was oppression, where we just read Caesar Augustus, and the Roman imperialism is becoming more and more oppressive, taking over citizenship, taxation, where people are now striving for their own rights and privileges. He came into a world where Herod, the king, is reigning and ruling with a bloody fist, killing everybody in his path and in his way. He comes into this kind of a world. And someday in the future, maybe we'll spend a lot more time discussing about that first century context. But this is the world that Jesus came into. And yes, we ought to celebrate with joy and Put the nativity scenes up and celebrate that. But we must also remember that it was a pretty dark and dismal, painful and sin-filled world that Jesus came into. Kind of like the world that we live today. And so if there's anything that we can do in celebration, my encouragement to myself and to us is to celebrate Christmas in the way that Jesus celebrated. To come into this world to save people from their sins. Um, we're going to sing one song. It's a song that I learned this week just as a reflection time. And as we sing this together, what I'd love for you to reflect upon, what is the thing in your life right now that you need salvation from? What is the thing in your life right now that is the sin that Jesus came to save you from? And as we sing this, can I ask one of you to do this for me? And as we sing this together, I'd encourage you to just let the creator of this universe who came into flesh take that from you. Let him come into that 
which is pain, dysfunction, and let him save you, save us from, from those sins.